0: Southern Miss to the top, <laughs> you're tuned in to the Eagle
2: Hour. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to the Southern Bancorp Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel, Bob Kelly and Luke. It's another edition of the Eagle Hour. We're glad you tuned in around the state. Whatever affiliate you're tuned in on or whether it's online, welcome to the show. We're always glad to talk Southern Miss sports with you. Opening segment sponsored by Justin and the gang at Dickies Barbecue right here in Hattiesburg. And uh, we eat there. We encourage you to. Great food seven days a week. Dickey's will cater any event for you, large or small. One of my favorite all-time Golden Eagle baseball players is going to be joining us shortly, J.C. Keys. And we're going to reminisce about many things, including the night in 2019 that he humiliated the Ole Miss Rebels and shut them out here at Pete Taylor Park. That's always good to talk about. But first, we're going to visit with a M-Club Hall of Fame member, a standout soccer player who is now a doctor and the executive director of the National Center for Spectator Sports Safety and Security located right here at Southern Miss. Dr. Stacy Hall joins the Eagle Hour. And, Dr. Hall, thank you, first of all, for your time.
3: No, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you today, and I appreciate the introduction.
2: This is so interesting, Um uh, th- this is located at Southern Miss. Just give us an overview, if you will, before we all get involved here. W- what does the National Center for Spectator Sports Safety and Security do from the campus of Southern Miss?
3: Absolutely. Uh, well, we were established in 2006, really um, in the aftermath of 9-11, when the Department of Homeland Security and FEMA realized that any large mass gathering of people uh, are potential targets of, of terrorism. And, of course, sports falls into that uh, category, sports being such an integral part of American society. And, you know, college ball games, you know, some stadiums hold over 100,000 uh, people. But at that time, they were, they were uh, looking at funding different anti-terrorism um, Training programs and technologies. And at that time, myself, I was a, a, a doctoral student. Uh, myself and Dr. Lou Marciani and Dr. Walter Cooper, and a few others on the team at the time, saw an opportunity to submit a grant to uh, FEMA to develop training, uh, specifically risk management training for collegiate sports safety and security uh, teams. And, and those uh, teams really comprise of the key stakeholders responsible for making sure we go home safely after a game. That's local law enforcement, campus police, emergency management, fire hazmat your facility manager, event organizer, and sometimes public um, health. So we we were very lucky we submitted a grant and got uh, about $3.6 million to develop that first course in risk management. And really fast forward, we now have seven DHS FEMA approved courses uh, in our catalog covering topics such as uh, evacuation management, incident management, Crisis communications, and we are uh, will hopefully be releasing soon a new course in in crowd management. But training is one of our key pillars uh, of our of our mission. Uh, our focus is to support the sports and entertainment industries through innovative research as well uh, as training, and also through our outreach uh, activities. And like I said, we're partially funded by DHS uh, FEMA, and we're very fortunate to have a. Uh, a national advisory board com- comprised of 30 members we have right now of various C, uh, the executive level uh, individuals such as the piece of security for the professional sports leagues in, in North America. And, and that advisory board helps um, guide our strategic p- priorities, like what training programs, what resources are needed uh, within uh, the the landscape. So. I, I mean, I, I can delve into any of those particular missionaries of training, research, and, and, and outreach, if, if you'd like.
1: Well, what's what's cool to me, Dr. Hall, is, this, of course, the Super Bowl coming up this weekend, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. And so you guys, among other things, developed safety protocols specifically for SoFi, which if, if the Super Bowl was being held at, at the Cowboy Stadium or at, at Raymond James Stadiums in Tampa, the protocols would be different. You've got plans in place specifically for... SoFi coming up for the Super Bowl this weekend, and they were all originated there at Southern Miss. Pretty cool.
3: Well, actually, the um, the Super Bowl is considered a special uh, event, just like other major events like the, the Olympics, and they get that classification um, really because of the, its profile and status. Um, uh, you know, there's going to be VIPs, dignitaries there, obviously, and... Uh, with with the date and time being known for years in advance, a lot of the pl- planning and training and, and the exercises of those plans really uh, begins years uh, in advance. But it's it's really the Department of Homeland Security that uh, they, they designate special events uh, on particular levels, and and um, they have designated the, the the Super Bowl this year as a level one, so it's a special event assessment rating level one, which requires uh, federal support. So. The, the, the local partners in the Los Angeles areas, like the local um, the L.A. Uh, Police Department, the, lo- the L.A. Uh, County Sheriff's Department, they would be supported by federal partners uh, such gotcha. as the FBI and the and the, and the Secret Service because federal partners, they have a lot more uh, resources and capabilities such as explosive detection canine teams uh, able to help with, with air security. So it's really FBI, Secret Service that would consult with the local partners to develop events Security plans and response plans specific to to the SoFi stadium but we we definitely um have uh, played a part in, in training individuals in, in that area uh, in the lead-up uh, to, to the Super Bowl.
1: So you've also also got one-day sporting events like the Kentucky Derby, the Daytona 500, the largest single-day sporting event in the world is the Indianapolis 500. So you guys, are, you guys have a hand in, like, all these events. Are they all just American events, or is, does some of the no, knowledge that's, uh, that's put out at Southern Miss, is it actually used worldwide?
3: Yeah, well, you know, like like you mentioned, we we a lot of our training courses cover sports and special uh, events, and we train teams all over the country uh, in that particular city or uh, state. Uh, so we definitely play a hand in helping them develop uh, their plans and ensure they have best practices in place. Um, we also uh, have worked with and continue to work with uh, Interpol, the International Police Agency, headquartered in Lyon, uh, France. Um, the we kind the of training has been halted because of COVID we, we picked it up just recently and conducted some virtual trainings but the idea is Interpol wanted their police commanders of their representative uh, member countries and there's 194 to have access to training uh, for those major international sporting uh, events so um, we, we've trained over I would say maybe close to 100 people right now um, and we hope to be back in Leon uh, sometime this year, given the situation with the pandemic.
1: Luke, pretty cool that a lot of that uh, originates right here at Southern Miss of the
0: NCS4. Absolutely. And, and what's more important than all of that, guys, is that Dr. Hall is the all-time leading scorer for women's soccer at the University of Southern Mississippi. And what I mean by that is the next, the number two on this list is is 24 career goals. Dr. Hall has 50 goals. 11 of those were game winners. And so the real business, Dr. Hall, how awesome is it that you lead this incredible, unique national center at Southern Miss and the alma mater where you are probably the greatest soccer player to ever play there?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm living the dream, right? Uh, but <laughs> thanks for sharing the, the, those those stats and lightening up the conversation with the serious safety and security stuff. But no, it's great. Obviously, I, I love Southern Miss. Southern Miss been been good to me. I sports has been been an integral part of my life and been able to um, try and help the industry with with their safety and security standards and protocols and and really see us. The University of Southern Mississippi making a difference in the landscape is, is phenomenal. So,
1: Bob, when she was in college, she was she was on the offensive side of things, now professionally. On the defensive side. She is, <laughs> yeah. yeah, making sure the bad guys don't get to us.
2: Fifty seconds left, uh, Doctor. What's your greatest memory, your greatest single memory of your
0: soccer career here?
3: Oh here was definitely beating Alabama at uh, alabama three three goals to two, so um we uh you know obviously unheard of back then They're, they're still a powerhouse house today, but that that was probably one 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 of the highlights
2: well that's uh, it's always good to beat alabama it doesn 't matter what sport <laughs> it is it makes us all feel good uh, dr. hall too hey listen, we really appreciate uh not only what you're doing to protect us all that enjoy sporting events, uh, but for your great contributions to Southern Miss athletics. And uh, we certainly thank you for coming on our show today. Well,
3: thank you. I appreciate the time.
2: All right. Dr. Stacey Hall, everybody, who is the executive director of the national center. This is a mouthful for spectator sports, safety and security. And as Luke pointed out the all time leading scorer in Southern
0: Miss soccer history. Some, some people don't even realize she was the captain. For Northern Ireland's international team until 2008. Pretty pretty accomplished, wow. and she's one of our own.
1: But, but the fact that, that the control center for all of this stuff is, is at Southern Miss, how to protect us in these huge national sporting events That's like cool. the Super Bowl this weekend. We'll be back.
0: Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour.
2: Hey, we want to thank Dr. Stacy Hall for joining us at the first segment of the Eagle Hour. And uh, Luke pointed out something interesting real quick. Luke, uh, not only was she the all-time leading scorer, in Southern Miss soccer. You said she had another pretty famous
0: standing in soccer. Yeah, she was. Uh, she was the captain. Of uh, Northern Ireland, of the international team, and and she was one of the the first ones that crossed the Atlantic to play at Southern Miss, and because of that, we got a lot more international. She kind of started the international trek uh, for players to come to Southern Miss, and I'll tell you what, uh, so the next the the second place all time scores twenty four goals. Doctor Hall has fifty. And 11 of those 50 were game winners. That's she's like the leader in shots, assists, goals, all-time stuff. So pretty cool she's no serving question. in that way at her alma mater. And I bet you can buy a soccer
2: T-shirt right now at Campus Bookmart on Hardy Street right across from the Southern Miss campus. Or if you're listening up in Owner like our our good old buddy Al Baker does, then uh, you can shop online. Al, if you're listening, campusbookmart.net. You can get you a soccer T-shirt or a baseball shirt or whatever you like. They've got the biggest selection of Southern Miss apparel do they, on the planet. Do they sell Southern Miss-branded applesauce for, for Al Baker? Is that a thing? No, no, that's Al Holder you're thinking about. <laughs> Al Baker, he's not on applesauce yet. He's uh, still eating solid food. That's that's that's, Sorry. Uh, that's our buddy Sorry, uh, Holder that you're thinking about. But I'll be sure to introduce you to Al Baker when uh, baseball... I met for-
0: him. <laughs> I met him, and he's going to... I'll probably see him in, in the roost here in a couple of weeks, and I'll
2: hear it. Uh, so there, there we go. go. All right. Uh, listen, I've got to tell you, Joy Lee McNellis has her Lady Eagle basketball team smoking. They won again last night in overtime, and they are in first place, Luke, in the Western Division of Conference USA.
0: They are, and one of the reasons why um, they are in first place is that UAB has lost two in a row. They dropped, we reported yesterday, they dropped the Saturday game to Middle Tennessee 75-55, but they lost last night to North Texas. Their second defeat by double digits, got beat by the Lady Ming Green, 67-54. So right now, the updated Conference USA standings, the Lady Eagles are in first place by themselves the Lady Eagles are seven and four overall UAB at five and four and that sets up the most important game of the year this coming Thursday uh, for the Lady Eagles UAB comes to town uh, but the Lady Eagles win last night and I, I kind of warned you guys yesterday it might be a trap game yeah um and, and it went to overtime Kelsey Jones hit a, a layup with 3.3 seconds to go the Lady Eagles won 60 to 57 improved to 15 and seven on the year
1: and Dom Davis is going to be on the show you know, this, this coming Friday, the night after that game, and hopefully we will be talking with her about a win over UAB. There's a lot of basketball to be played yet, you know, down the stretch here. But if this, if Joy Lee McNellis doesn't get serious consideration and not win Conference USA Coach of the Year, this team was predicted to finish 13th, to mm-hmm. second to last, mm-hmm. and here they are in first place in the Western Division. Good for them. And,
0: and last night was a one of those games – Good good teams when they have off nights they find ways to win because UTSA was at the bottom of the barrel in the west Southern Miss came in really hot they've uh, we talked about yesterday i think 5 out of the last 6 they had won and they didn't shoot the ball well shot at 35% from the floor only 33% behind the arc but they had four players in double digits. Dom Davis, um, she had an off night. I mean, she's only four for 17 from the field, but ended up with 12 points. Malak Grayson underneath, uh, 10 rebounds with her 12 points. And uh, Destiny Smith with 10 points. And then Kelsey Jones, um, those last two points she scored to put the Lady Eagles up top were, were two of her 10 points. So four uh, Lady Eagles last night in double digits. 45 rebounds last night. Here you go, Kelly. 20 offensive rebounds for the Lady Eagles last night.
1: That is one way that you help offset poor shooting is hit the offensive boards. And they obviously did that. Luke also mentioned, what, four and double digits? Normally in the past, it doesn't matter whether it's men's teams or women's teams, you might talk about two guys that are kind of the you know, spark plugs that make their teams go. This really looks like a, a team effort for the Lady Eagles. I mean, it's you know, there's... Five or six different names that you're throwing out there, every, you know, every game. Uh, people contributing. They're healthy. Uh, they're confident. They're playing some home games. Uh, those all add up to success. And it wouldn't surprise me if there's a really nice crowd on hand Thursday well, there night. There should be. Yeah, there should be. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and when you look at how the the points were distributed, you got guards. And you got bigs that are scoring that way. Uh Berkayla Gray had nine points, so one point away. The Lady Eagles would have had five in double digits. So two guards, uh, two bigs and, and a forward in there, uh scoring that much. Another thing to look at last night, Lady Eagles turned the ball over a lot. They they turned the ball over, Joey Lee's probably pretty frustrated, nineteen turnovers. Ooh. But they forced twenty two okay. last night.
1: Yeah, yeah you you don't ever well, want you don't ever want to be up in those those numbers. No, you know? but
2: one thing about uh, what Coach McNellis preaches and pushes those kids hard to do is play defense. And when you when the other teams turn the ball over twenty two times, that tells you that you're playing pretty aggressive defense. And uh, my guess is that my guess is coach is probably just going to take it real easy on the girls this week. What do you think, Kelly? <laughs>
1: I would bet every dollar I had and borrow some extra money
0: to bet that would not be the case. No, I don't think there's a chance about happening. <laughs> so you, about we talked about Dom Davis being on the show Friday. Last night was the thirteenth straight game she's gone into the double digits. So you look at what they got to do Thursday night. You got to keep Jones and Grayson out of foul trouble, and you just let Dom Davis do her thing.
1: Luke, you're, you're our stat guy. I wonder what the what the school record is. For consecutive game double digit scoring that's
0: and diving pretty deep
1: you're, you're right but i mean and there have been some good ones you know pauline love and there have been some great ones that have come through here but i, I just wonder uh um, you,
0: you almost think like janice felder had like a hundred yeah, in a row there was something. another
1: one yeah janice felder gosh she was terrific uh but hmm. but man she's she's definitely made a difference on this team after transferring
2: no question and uh we hope everybody will show up Thursday night and support them. Support Coach McNellis, Support her girls. And uh, yeah, you're right, Kelly. She should get a little consideration for for Coach of the Year.
1: I mean, they're picked second to last for heaven's sakes. Yeah, and yeah. and here it, it, and the way that they're playing right now, not only are they in first place. If they win this game Thursday night, they would get any tiebreaker with you, unless they. Unless they have to play him a second time. I'm not sure how – but they would have at least one of those right. games in hand.
2: Now, Mr. Statman over in Laurel, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Something we failed to mention yesterday is uh, the track and field team had a great weekend this past weekend. Luke, can you pull that up pretty quickly? Uh, yeah,
0: we, we talked about really it a little well. bit at the, at the end yesterday. But, yeah, there was uh, – Corvell Todd um, won his event, and then um, it, his name is escaping right now. Our shot put guy set a new record for that. So yeah, I'll pull that up and share that with you yeah, later.
2: Coach John Stewart's just done a fantastic job, and that's a, that's a sport that kind of flies under the radar. We try not to let it uh, do that here. But boy, Kelly, we we really do have a nationally competitive track and field program.
1: Well, you coming up on on this weekend? You got softball starting on Friday. Looks like the weather's going to cooperate for really nice you know, double header opening day for the softball team. The golf team uh, opens this weekend. They begin their their spring schedule. Track and field is going. You know, you are going to have spring football starting. And oh yeah, baseball starts. Yeah,
2: that's that's <laughs> a little important. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. week from Friday. Uh, we we won't get into any great detail here. But you sent me a. You sent me a email last night about an article written by a student I, at, at the student prints am I right about that
1: and it was it was labeled opinion so well, it, it was an editorial and it
2: was just another attack on the Dixie darlings and how you know uh, the name is just so racist and uh, you know I'm so tired of this I mean have we not put to bed the fact that the Dixie darling, organization is a great tradition at Southern Miss. There's nothing racist about the term Dixie. It is a geographical term for a geographical part of the United States. The young lady, unfortunately, uh, didn't take a lot of geography classes, clearly, because uh, because she she doesn't understand that Dixie is a terminology for the southeastern part of the United States. We're not going to see this ugly beast rise its head again, R. Kelly Santa.
1: I hope not. I hope not. Um, uh, and and in, in the opinion, and again, clearly it's labeled opinion. She said that it was her view that school administrators promised, and that's a quote, promised that the Dixie Darling I don't think that's accurate. name would be changed. And I don't think that's that. I don't think that's accurate either. Um, but she she wants the name changed. I would
2: love to put this young millennial in the same room with the lady that you brought on the show, who was the original member of the Dixie Darlings.
1: I think that would be a good conversation, you know, to be had. If, if you're going to cover it from all angles, correct, which you should. But correct. again, it, it was not presented as a news article. It was no. presented as a, as an editorial. So um,
2: God, it just speaks so to to just just my Bob Getty's opinion. But it speaks so strongly to the way kids are being educated. it was such a one sided my view, or there is no view, that it. It's sad, Kelly. It's just sad.
1: But and that's why that's why I mentioned it was labeled an editorial, and that's yeah. kind of what editorials are. Yeah. You know uh, whether you agree with it or not. You know that. Um, but it did. Yeah, I was I was shocked to see it because honestly, I thought that subject had been put to bed.
2: I thought the alumni of this university had made itself very clear how they felt about that.
1: But according to her, a promise is. Not a promise is a promise, Kelly. Has not been fulfilled by the university, <laughs> so we'll see. That's Kelly that's, just uh, that's out of just, our hands, right? Yeah, this music it.
0: kicks in. Just make sure your elbows are the right height, okay? That's all. Get those elbows up, Kelly. I, I,
2: I love the way you look in those
1: white boots. Is this Super Tramp, isn't it? Is this Super Tramp from Breakfast in America? How about you? One of the I greatest. born. That's what well, Luke was no thinking when he heard that. When he heard that, song. What's happening. it
2: is sad how they don't understand music. This is one it's of the this,
1: greatest albums ever, man. No
2: question. JC Keys is that
1: segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by our friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill. The party is on this coming Sunday. Of course, the Super Bowl kickoff, I think, 530 in the afternoon. But, you know, they'll be they'll be rocking and rolling much before then. The Cincinnati Bengal, the world America's champion team. Cincinnati Bengals, will America's be
2: America's team soon to Kelly. be, soon to be world champion. I
1: hope so. I hope so. By the way, we're efforting Mike Thomas. We're still working on Mike Thomas. Yeah. The Bengals. He's moon. a little
2: busy this week. Kelly. He
1: is. He is. The Bengals yeah. got there yesterday. But Fourth Street Bar and Grill, you hear about food prices going up. Not at Fourth Street. You still get that. Huge portion lunch, eight ninety five. that includes your soft drink. It's the place to pregame and postgame if you're a Southern Miss fan, 4th Street Bar and Grill in the shadow of the rock. Joining us now, Joseph Charles Keyes, J.C. Keyes, uh, a pitcher at uh, Southern Miss, of course prepped at Oak Grove High School, now in the Cincinnati Reds organization. He will head to spring training uh, late February, and then most likely double AA, A, triple A, you never know. And uh, the, he'll get that assignment once spring training is over. But he joins us now to reminisce about one of Bob Getty's favorite memories of J.C. Keys—the night that he humiliated. Let me, let me take him back to it. Okay. JC,
2: do you remember this? All right, a glorious right. night, 2019, Pete Taylor Park. The self-proclaimed great Ole Miss Rebels were in town. Close ball game, as you would expect. In comes J.C. Keys, five and a third innings. Six strikeouts, no runs, and he sends the rebels back to the bus with their legs tucked between their ears. Do you remember that night, JC? Because I damn sure do.
4: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember that night. Uh, probably one of my best performances at uh, Southern Miss. Electric too, wasn't it? It was. It was. Uh, the atmosphere was electric. Everything about that game was awesome.
2: And making fun of old Miss, but obviously they're a quality team, great program. Anytime they come to Pete Taylor Park, it's it's a battle, and uh, that that night they they hand you the ball and uh, you stand up and and you uh, put the game away for Southern Miss. So I'm I'm glad you still remember that because uh, all of us sure do.
1: <laughs> hey, JC, I wanted to ask you. You know, anytime you're on the mound, how soon do you know whether you quote unquote have it or don't have it that particular night?
4: Um, I think it just depends on my – I mean, when you're going out on the mound, you want to know that you have it every time, um, but you also have the feeling like, okay, my my curveball isn't working tonight, so I'm going to have to work with what I have. Um, maybe my secondary pitch or um, getting a off, off with a changeup or something like that. Um, you just have to be able to um, uh, be able to – get comfortable with whatever you have working with that night
1: now we have to put things into perspective for jc keys curveball to not work it only breaks a foot and a half when, <laughs> when it's working it breaks, right. it breaks about three feet right right, right? but right. one of the things that i've always admired about you jake jc is you're not you're not a tall guy all right but you have never let your your um vertical impairment, you know, cause any problems on the pitcher's mound? Because these prototype pitchers now, they all want them to be 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". Well, you're not that, but it has not changed your ability to be effective. Is it all about mechanics then?
4: I think it's all about um, how you put yourself in a position to be able to um, increase velocity or... Um, just being able to have the, the heart to know that the measurements of your body doesn't really matter when you're out there on the mound because it's all about heart. If you, if you have that dog in you, if you have that fight in you, and the, the prototypical pitcher doesn't really matter if you can go out there and fight. Now, now,
1: I do know, before I throw it to Luke here, I do know that you, it, because I saw you last week, you've been in the weight room. Yeah, uh, yeah. That that's that's quite obvious. Is that by design? Then is that something that the Reds wanted to do, or something you just wanted to do for yourself?
4: Well, this all season, or before this all season, I told us what was one of the things that I wanted to do. Work on this all season, that I said was to get a little bit bigger um, in the weight room um, and lose a little bit of body fat, um, which I didn't have that much, but just a couple percentages off, and be able to come into spring training bigger.
2: Body fat. Okay.
0: I'm glad yeah, you clarified, okay. J.C., because I was okay, like, you can JC. hang out with Santer, and <laughs> yeah.
1: you know, that'll take care Body fat. <laughs> now, I'm the king of body fat. You want to talk body fat?
0: Yeah, it's not you, J.C. <laughs> it's not you. Go ahead, Luke. All right, so so you don't have to throw all your stuff out there, all your cards on the table, but the, the curveball is something that is, when it's working, as we've said, it's amazement. How did that develop for you as a pitcher? Was it something at Oak Grove that – you called on as a sophomore or junior it was something you developed at Southern Miss.
4: Well, it was uh, I think when I was playing at Octopus Park, um, one of my coaches was trying to teach me how to throw a cutter, and I could never I could never grasp it. And finally, like I was just messing around with it, and um, end up like starting to like flick my wrist, and it kind of just like developed and. I talked to my dad about it because he would never let me throw a curveball at that young of age, and I asked him. I was like, "Hey, can I can I throw this to you real quick?" Spun it to him, and he was like, "Wow!" And ever since then, my sophomore years, when I started pitching at Oak Grove, that's when I really started throwing it, and people started to see how really good good it was.
0: How how do you you know what's your advice for because that's the big question we see so many kids having tommy john and some of it's because of the you know the the pressure they put on the elbow because they throw too soon and what's kind of what what was kind of your balance you know so that your arm is is still has what it is and it's been protected in that way now that you're a professional
4: well i think it was pretty much my dad my dad like i said he didn't allow me to throw a curveball until i was seven 16 17 years old um and you see like a lot of kids nowadays when they're younger they're spinning a lot of curveballs, and it's causing a lot of tension on the arms at a younger age when they're not fully developed. So I would just say to the guys that are younger, just hold off on the curveball, develop a changeup, and really establish your fastball, because that's when you're supposed to build is at that young of age um, and just wait until you're older and your body's kind of more mature to spin a curveball.
0: We, uh, we we do want to say this because you're one of your fellow Oak Grove mates, Kurt McCarty, but it, it, with him and Sandlin being in Cleveland, is, is there any, like, friendly banter between the two Ohio teams? I mean, we know Kurt talks, and we know that most of the time when he talks it's smack, which uh, he can or cannot back up. But I'm saying is it fun to to be able to jaw with those guys back and forth now that you guys are all professionals?
4: It is, it is. I, uh I see Kirk and Sandlin every now and then when I'm out there spring training. Um, of course, we're always busy, but every when we're when we're done, we'll probably grab like dinner or something after our day's done um, because they're like literally right next door to us. Um, but it is it's a it's a great time knowing that those guys are having success um, at the professional level and able to continue their career and have fun with it. You know, JC,
2: one of the things I loved about you and Taylor Braley and Kirk McCarty and Matthew Gidry is that you are all local kids that grew up here playing baseball, played baseball locally, and you stayed here to play for the Golden Eagles? Did you grow up wanting to play Southern Miss baseball? Uh, what 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 was the circumstance that had you go to Southern Miss, JC?
4: I did. Um, I always wanted to go to Southern Miss. I always went to Southern Miss football games, and um, I still remember my first baseball game that I went to was. Uh, Southern Miss versus UAB in in twenty nine um, in two thousand nine, and uh, I told my dad I was like, "This is where this is like where I want to go to mm-hmm. play baseball," and I never got that offer until like the the end of my season in my senior year, and I literally committed right there on the spot after one of my uh, baseball games because that's, this is where like I wanted to be.
2: And it had to mean a lot to play with so the guys that we just mentioned. You you were all local guys, and, and you all played together at the same time on some really great baseball teams.
4: Yeah, it made it a lot easier. Um, coming in as a, a, a young guy, having guys that you played with in high school, knowing a lot of older guys on the team made it really more settling for me to come in and be myself. and able
1: to learn and uh, grow as a player makes sense JC I want to ask you just real quick uh, in the last minute with you the strike is is gone the lockout continues the major league players are really going to bat metaphorically for you guys in the minor leagues wanting you guys to get more money you know more housing stipends things like that but it shouldn't affect the minor league schedule that's what we know at this point yes fill in some blanks for us
4: it doesn't it doesn't affect the minor league at all um, like I said, we still report, and we still, our season still starts, um, on time. Um, not sure what they'll do about the, the big leagues on whether they're pushing it back or whether they're calling minor league is up to play in the big leagues. They haven't really notified us on that yet. But I think it's
1: pretty cool that the big league guys, the multi, yeah, the multimillionaires are putting their necks on the line for you guys. I think that's cool.
4: I know that, that is, that is awesome. Um, to be able to, you know, put us forward and um, kind of help us out to be able to increase money and uh, help us out throughout the year.
2: JC, you will remain one of our all time favorite Golden Eagles and one of the great players in our proud baseball history. And we thank you for being on the show again.
4: Yes, sir. Thank you for having me.
2: JC Keys, everybody. We'll be right back.
0: To the Eagle Hour, the Eagle Hour, Southern Miss to the top. Final segment on this Tuesday brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training. They're on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg and always online, dbathattiesburg.com. Lady Eagles win last night, 60-57 to 57 over UTSA, first place in the West, and one of those uh, players in double digits last night who had 32 points in a game over the weekend, Malaya Grayson. Hattiesburg's own Malaya Grayson. She is the Conference USA Player of the Week. They announced that um, today. And uh, so, congratulations uh, to uh, Malaya Grayson, Conference USA Player of the Week helping the Lady Eagles into first place in the Conference USA West. A few more uh, all-conference preseason teams for Southern Miss softball. Tata Davis and Destiny Brown named today to preseason Conference USA. Both of those ladies uh, return and should have great years uh, for Southern Miss this year. They start Friday at the Black and Gold Invitational at the softball complex, take on North Alabama at 430 and take on St. Louis at seven, and then uh, as we uh, as we mentioned a little earlier, Golden Eagles track team over the weekend uh, at the USA Invitational hosted by South Alabama. DJ Butler, Lena May, and Corvell Todd all win their respective meets, and then Fred Mudani sets a new school record, broke his previous school record in um, the shot put. So congratulations to uh, Coach Stewart and uh, his. Ladies and his men, and uh, they've got more track and field events coming up. All right, so what happened yesterday? Bob Getty announced his allegiance uh, to the New Orleans Saints. Moody okay. Loomis heard it and went ahead and named his head coach. So uh, Dennis Allen, promoted from defensive coordinator, uh, who has previously served um, with the Raiders as a head coach several years back, but the 49-year-old defensive coordinator of the Saints, uh, promoted – and it will be really interesting to see guys. Um, probably, I would think he may go outside with his offensive coordinator position. Um, I, some of the guys you'd like to see, I'm not sure you can get the enemy away from Kansas City, but uh, some of these guys that didn't get named head coaches, maybe a Byron Leftwich comes in and and uh, with Tom Brady leaving Tampa Bay. You never know what might happen, but thoughts, guys, about Dennis Allen. But well, Jack Gruden's available. He's
1: been available
2: Bob. He's been available. I, you know, you got to – you admire a young man like that. You think about that. That's a big-time job when you get to be the head coach of the New Orleans
1: Saints. And people who who might have an aversion to hiring Dennis Allen would say, well, he wasn't all that great when he was with Oakland. Let me tell you, he didn't have very many good cards at Oakland, but he still won a few hands. Right. Okay, so now, now he's got some tools. I think you're going to be able to see. And, Luke, I have to – buddy, I got to disagree with you. I think he's going to try to keep that – I think he's going to try to keep as much of that staff together as possible.
0: Well, the kind of the talks been, you know, Carmichael's been there the entire time. Peyton's been there, right?
1: Did we lose him?
2: I think his tie line might have dropped out, uh, but you, you, he'll probably pop back up here in a second. But
1: thing. that, but that's why I think, you know, and I think they probably had that discussion before they hired him. Is okay if you get this job, what do you envision putting together as a staff? And I would think that Dennis Allen's. Just thinking logically, Dennis Allen would say, Well, if it's not broken, don't fix it. So let's try to keep as many guys on board who already know Carmichael's system, you know, rather than come in and try to try to do try to do a drastic overhaul. It doesn't need it.
2: Well the Saints were the Saints were two or three key injuries away from being probably division champions, if certainly challenging for that. And uh and you know, being being a Super Bowl contender. I don't think there are many players away from being a Super Bowl contender moving forward, do you?
1: I don't. I, I I'll be I'll be interested to see what they do with Jameis Winston, if he stays in New Orleans St. or if he goes some somewhere else. Now some other interesting NFL news, Bob Giddy, is mm-hmm. that Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. is building a multi million dollar home in Nashville. Now Ryan
2: Boy, I'll tell you what.
1: Ryan Tannehill, you know, has taken a lot of heat for those three interceptions he threw against the Bengals. That allowed the Bengals to. Man, you
2: put him on that team. So and uh,
1: (laughs) with Julio, Julio Jones, and uh,
2: with that beast in the
1: backfield, yes,
2: they're a good defensive team. Good coaching staff. I think one of the really bright young
1: coaches in the league. So could Aaron Rodgers wind up in Tennessee? Then we'll see. I've I've also seen.
0: I I think it'd be a good good land. Oh,
2: good, you're back. All right, look, finish your thoughts. I know you're tired. Yeah, I don't
0: don't know how. I don't know how there's minions that are cutting lines. Anyway, long and short of it is. They wanted to keep the culture. Allen's a safe hire, but there's a reason why players like him. And since 2017, the Saints' defense has been one of the best in the league. You can't go wrong with that. So will he go outside and get his own OC, or or uh, because he's not going to have really anything on the offensive side of the ball? So it's either Pete Carmichael, or you bring in your own OC.
1: And now, Coach Brian Flores, uh, in a statement this morning, released by his attorney. Coach Flores is stating that the only reason he did not get the Saints job was because the Saints are finding him to be a liability because he spoke up about perceived racism in the NFL. Hmm. So I think that I think this thing is going to really get messy. Well, uh,
2: I got to tell you this. I'm I'm not going to get into all the racial stuff, but. I was pretty shocked when he was fired. As the I was, too. He had really begun to turn the Miami franchise around. No no question about that. And,
1: and
0: I 19 just, wins in, in two years.
1: Yeah, and uh, I just have to wonder if he, he just wasn't a big Tua fan, apparently. Yeah. Uh,
2: all right, speaking of great
1: coaches, Larry
2: Fedora on the Eagle Hour tomorrow, Jay Ladner. We've got all kinds of uh, head coaches uh, coming at you tomorrow. Kelly will be out, Luke and I'll handle things, and until then, Southern Miss
1: to, to the, the top. top. Slipping, slipping, slipping into
3: the future. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. to the sea Fly i like can't let my spirit carry me i want to fly like an eagle. Till I'm free. I'll go the a know to be free i the mission
0: a super talk mississippi yeah. media production